The Arts of the San Joaquin Valley is a program that focuses on the arts community from Stockton to Merced and Foothill to Foothill. We talk with local authors, poets, playwrights, fine artists, actors, directors, filmmakers, dancers, musicians, crafters, and makers. To learn more about their art and the art-related events, here in our part of the valley. We're your hosts, Linda Scheller. And I'm Laura Stokes. If you're involved in the greater arts community of our area and would like to be featured, we will share our contact information at the end of the show. Welcome to KCBP's Arts of the San Joaquin Valley. Today, our guests are three of the musicians from the Damara Orchestra, Pierre Nogli, Sargagnonan, and Nino Stico. Welcome so much, gentlemen. Thank you, Linda. Thank you. I'd like to know how and when in your life you started on your musical odyssey. Perhaps you could start us off, Ninos? Sure. When I started, I was 10 years old, and I was fascinated by the guitar my brother purchased. I mean, he purchased for his own. But I snuck it in the room, and I saw it. And I started, you know, touching it, and he was kicking me out. Anyway, but then when he noticed I have the, the love for it, then he gave it to me. Mm-hmm. And it started from there. I mean, it took me two years. I really fell in love with the instrument. And just I developed myself by listening. So this is back in Iraq. It's not here. And what inspired me, because we were listening, we didn't have enough um, access to Western music, let's say. So I have just a limited number of cassettes at that time. I fell in love with Eagles, the group here, those guitar licks they had at that time. So I just started driving in this. And from there, I started developing myself. Moving forward, we migrated from Iraq. We came to Canada. But before that, I mean, uh, I was playing nightclubs in the back home, in Baghdad in particular. They moved on to Canada. And the same thing, I just continued forming bands and playing at the same time working. You know, mm-hmm. Immigrant, you need to make some bread. And from there, I moved on to L.A. here. I, I got a teaching position, and I was touring with bands. It's a bigger opportunity here in the U.S., so I was touring with Persian band, and we traveled all around the world, and I was their guitarist. And then I finally decided maybe I'm more leaning towards teaching. Then I just stopped touring, and I went I got my uh, master's and the classical guitar. Now I teach in Stanislas. I'm a lecturer. It's a basic guitar class I teach, along with professor I studied with. That's it. The, the rest tell their stories. <laughs> Pierre, how did you get started on your musical <clears throat> journey? Well, um, when I was five, I found a music catalog of my uncle's, and uh, he's a famous drummer. So um, I, I was fascinated with the drums and um, by the age of 10 I started playing in weddings and parties and um, conventions even and then um, by by the age of 16 uh, I played with a famous Persian Armenian singer his name is Vigen and after that uh, I moved to um, LA and uh, uh, worked with a, a group called Black Cats, and we um, we basically uh, re 
created it in America. And then uh, I've played all over the world since then. Sargon, how did you get started in music? We're going to start uh, saying he started at uh, 10 years old. I started at 10 years old. Okay. I don't know. So that was in Baghdad, Iraq, in a very nice neighborhood. And uh, my uncle used to play accordion. He just read notes barely. My ear was always for music. Music is in my blood. So uh, when he used to practice, I used to watch him. Sometimes I know the song, I heard it before, and the right way, he's trying to find it, looking at the sheets. I say, uncle, uncle, not the white key, but the black key, press the black key. He said, get out of here, like I'm teaching him. But anyway, I kind of fell in love with the accordion, and uh, I had a pianica there, and it's the same keyboard, like a keyboard, but I was really uh, lucky to have a neighbor to our house, they called Batawin in Iraq. And every house had a backyard connected to each other as a neighbors. The top player in the world of the Oud was his name Jamil Bashir. And his brother is Munir Bashir. Two brothers that were awesome musicians. Actually, he was, Jamil Bashir was director of the TV station and radio station of Iraq. Uh, as well, his brother was more classically musician in, in this instrument. The sound of the oud I kind of was so attracted to, and I just used to listen. They used to practice in a week four times with the whole band of the TV station of Iraq. In those days, they didn't have no much recordings to put as a music in the stations. They used to play lively and people listen to the radio. As we're speaking, in Istanbul, Turkey, that's what they do. And they sell tickets for audience. They come over there behind the glass. The whole band, 30-piece band, 40-piece band, they are playing and as like a recording, but they're recording it, and but it's live. So I just follow this guy. My father was a watchmaker and happened to be Jamil Bashir. He used to fix his watches with my father. And I was there. I was then 12 years old. And... Uh, we're going to play a number that those days came out from a renowned uh, singer, Fairuz, in Lebanon, and uh, called Binti Chalavia. And there was no notes that you can go by. My uncle told Jamil, he says, can you write the music for me for this song? It's okay. Piece of paper he took and put five lines in there and start just writing it, like a, writing a, a letter. So... I got so attracted to this instrument, and I grew up with it. After that, I tried to play the clarinet, which I was playing in high school clarinet. And uh, after that, I played the kanun, uh, which I went to Egypt, what one. So I involved in this, and I played music for many, many years in Chicago for 24 years. Uh, actually, when I started, it was the only band that I had with, uh, for 11 years. And then I came in here, of course, met great musicians like these two guys here and with the Dumara band, and we start doing things more professionally. Mm. So that's why I got into the business. What is it that you love best about the instrument that you play or instruments that you play? And, and especially you, Sargon, if you could also talk a bit about the history of the instruments that you had mentioned and how they've changed over time. 
let's go ahead and start with you, Ninos. What is it that you love best about guitar? What appeals to you? I can't add that much about the guitar. I mean, it's, everyone plays guitar and history about it. In fact, guitar came, came off the oud. So oud was brought to Spain back in the 710. Oh. The year 710. Well, in history, they say here... Uh, the Moors. Moors, Arabs, anyway. Yeah. So they uh, moved into Spain, and normally armies, they bring their instruments. And one of their instruments was the oud. But back in history, this oud, it's not Arabian instrument. It's Assyrian instrument. But then was, I mean, was left in, in Iraq, then it was adopted by the Arabs. And then it traveled, the instrument traveled historically to Spain. And from there, start developing, it became a lute now. In the Western style, they call it lute. It's the same shape as the oud, but has more strings. And the guitar started coming out from these two. I mean, actually the oud, that's the beginning. That much I can say about the guitar. But yeah, I mean, uh, the shape of it, easy to carry. And it's, anytime I want to practice, just grab the guitar. So, okay, if it's, it's a keyboard or whatever, I need to plug it, I need an amp. But you know, at my time, it was a very easy instrument to keep and practice anytime I wanted. That's very interesting. Yeah. Thank you. So, Pierre, the drums, uh, what do you love about them? And what are some of the kinds of drums that you play? So I play a traditional drum kit, uh, like a kicks, snare, hat, and toms and all that. Um, but uh, my interest in drums, which, which is probably the most difficult one to take and set it up and pack it up, so Nenos can just put his in a, a box and go. You know, I got a million pieces to take with me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, so, I mean... Uh, it's for me. It's a way to express myself, and um, it's fun because um, I get to control the the dynamics of the of the band or the and um, it's the heartbeat of the band. So mm. you know, that's basically it. Perfect. Do you play any percussion instruments specific to the different kinds of music? I could, but I don't play congas or the or a hand drum, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Actually, today I have a cajon, and um, I'm going to play that, which is a percussion instrument. But I usually don't. I I like playing with sticks. And Sargon, what about the instruments you play, their history, and what should we know about them? Well, uh, as we speak Assyrian, we are Assyrians, we were the cradle of civilization 4,000 years before Christ. And I have a friend of mine that he wrote a book about every artifacts of what Assyrians developed at that time. We're talking about musical instruments, parts, the wheel that you see on the tires. This is Assyrian invention. And there's millions of the stuff that Assyrians put together for the world that now has been used. So we're talking about the instruments now. The oud, as I add to my brother Ninos, came in from the Assyrians, which had few uh, strings on it at that time. And this friend of mine, he told me, at that time, they called it Udata, Udata, which is Ud now, as time of Shakespeare was loot, like Neil said. So now the Ud came in into Spain, to Middle East, to Turkey, 
At right now, like I said, the oud is most wanted instrument in the world right now. Like a friend of mine, he built this oud, Armenian guy in Glendale uh, Heights. He sells 110 ouds to Japan because it's fretless. They can bend the keys any way that they want to their music mm-hmm. once. So it uh, became very popular and they add strings to it. It's six strings, five doubles and one for bass. So that's the history of this instrument. Fascinating. And the other instrument you mentioned? I played the kanun. Kanun was like time of Assyrians. Again, we go to the cradle of civilization. was like a harp, okay? The body of the instrument was a deer with a golden head. The body was the ambience of where the strings are sitting on the bridge. So that was like a, like a harp. And they developed the zither, like zither, American zither is like mm-hmm. the kanun. It's just like looking inside the piano. You see all the strings, you pick them with your fingers. So uh, that's the other instrument that I play. And I play a little clarinet. And I played, uh, of course, the accordion I mentioned. And if you play accordion, you can play any keyboard. Hmm. So, Are you going to play the kanun in the performance on December 2nd? No. I have a very small part at, uh, at the concert. I'm going to be playing the oud, okay. which I love more than anything. Now, do ouds come in different sizes, like a bass oud? Very good question. This oud is size of Turkish ouds. They are smaller. But Arabic ouds are bigger. Okay? Uh, so it's kind of a little challenge to put your hand around it because the belly is like half a watermelon mm. in your chest. So the thing is, uh, they come in different sizes. When they come in different sizes, then the sound changes. Smaller one is higher sound, middle one is different, and uh, the big one is more bassier. I just want to add this, and it comes in different intonations. So I think you're right. Is is it a D? D. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a C, Mm -hmm. they call C. It's like, how about the uh, trumpet, Mm -hmm. B flat trumpet? Right. It's a C trumpet. Yeah, and the saxophone. Same thing, yeah. So the range changes too. Excellent. You're listening to KCBP Arts of the San Joaquin Valley with your host, Linda Scheller, and our guests today, three of the musicians from the Domara Orchestra, Pierre Nogli, Sargan Yonan, and Ninos Diko. Well, back to you, Sargan. You opened a professional recording studio and even created the record label S&Y in 1977. Please talk a little bit about that endeavor. Well, it was a big challenge. I opened the, the studio around 1977 in Chicago, in Skokie, Illinois. Actually, before that, I had small recording studio, eight track in my basement, which I did some productions there, but not to a bigger extent challenge. And then I went to 16 track. Then I did a couple of singers of renowned singers in Assyrian nation. Of course, we recorded for any uh, any people that came into the studio. We had reggae there. We had from Serbia. We have Armenians. We had Turkish people. We, and mostly it was Assyrians, which I start thinking about multi-track, two-inch tape unit. I don't know what to buy. At that time, by the way, it was only analog. Mm-hmm. Today, is, everything is digital. So... Uh, 
I went with one renowned singer, his name is Sargon Gabriel, to Nashville, Tennessee, to press the records there, which I did all my pressings in there because I produced them myself, almost 36 albums at the time in those four five years. I was still thinking about what kind of studio I can put together, and I didn't care about the money, uh, how much it's going to cost me, because I had fantabulous business in the dental technology, so I was making a lot of money. So I asked the owner of the pressing company, he says, by the way, you want to see studio? Bee Gees, next door to me is their studio. So I said, please take me there. <laughs> so he took me there. When I saw the equipment there, again, I saw the multi-track, and I just, the sound of the recordings, Bee Gees, they were awesome. Mm-hmm. And I just, I said, I'm going to carbon copy the studio. But, uh, so I bought MCI product, which is known in the world, even in London, that they, I think this produced over there. And uh, I bought it multi-track, two-inch tape. I rather it was expensive, like $60,000. And I bought the quarter-inch mastering machine with Dolby, okay? Just what they had there. Then I uh, had a friend of mine that he used to build uh, recording boards, which was 28. Uh, I just showed you the picture. Mm-hmm. Uh, 28 channels. And I was just fit with a fantastic studio. By the way, the studio was behind my dental laboratory. So every singer came in, was missing teeth. If you fix the teeth and they go sick. (laughs) 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 Little sense of humor. Very enterprising. (laughs) Yes. And uh, like I said, I produced 36 uh, LPs plus about 35 to 40 cassettes with eight numbers in cassette air songs. Mm -hmm. So I had fantastic business and I enjoyed this. It was not the money. It was just the music. It's Mm -hmm. in the blood, blood, you know that. So That's a great way to share music. Uh, By the way, I had some luck in speaking about recording that you asked me. Mm -hmm. Okay. Depends on the sound engineer. I don't care what kind of equipment you have. But I had the good, good stuff. Yes. So I had a guy, his name was Freddie Breitberg. Freddie Breitberg, he was Jingles. He does in Chicago, downtown, all the studios, $2 million studios. And uh, he knew a lot of big guys in the business. So he recorded for me all the albums that I mentioned. And even he was the engineer personally for Curtis Mayfield. Oh. Yes. And I met Curtis Mayfield. Big guy. He was uh, African-American, uh, one of our, our brothers, actually. Uh, and he he actually re- recorded, uh, no, he brought some musicians, an awesome keyboard player of Tom John Band. It was called Handborn, the guy. Uh, he was awesome, and he performed in all our recordings. And plus that, I brought a guy that in the world he known as the best harmonica player. Actually, he played with uh, Philharmonic Symphony in Germany, concerto, I don't know what, with little harmonica uh, for an hour and a half. This guy, his name was Howard Levy. The guy was multi, I mean, the guy played like maybe about 10 instruments. He was awesome harmonica player. So actually, I was blessed to have this professional people come there and the name of the studio just it prospered to a lot of people. So I had my business. I mean, we were booked around the year. So that's great. 
When and how did Domara Orchestra begin? Well, um, I basically um, was was approached to do a concert at the Gallows Center, mm-hmm. and in 2008, we Enos and I we we got together with our friends, and we created a 24-piece orchestra, and we performed at the Gallows Center for a Assyrian concert, which was the first um, Assyrian concert with an orchestra that big. And um, with the help of Nenos, of course, um, we've done, well, this will be our, our fourth concert there. And Ninos, you're the musical director, is that correct? Yes. Yes, uh, in fact, for the previous one and this one. But the other two, the the very first two, no, was, uh, I mean, he was running the show. Okay. But then yeah. he felt it's too much on yeah. him. I said, you know, I need someone to, uh, yeah. Then, yeah, I took over music last year. And for the second concert, we had 30 musicians. So the yes. first one wow. was 24 the second one was 2009. 2009, yeah, 2009 yeah. were, uh, again, 30 musicians. And the third one, I know it's shrinking, but uh, <laughs> it depends on a venue. Uh, we played in the large theater, right? Yes. Yeah, the big theater in Gallo. But this because it's a small venue, so won't fit the theater impossible. So even, I mean, jazz bands, barely we fit there. Yeah, so we are the size of a jazz band, I would say. What? Are, are we 13 now? 13 yeah, we're now. 13 musicians. Which musicians are going to be performing? Well, we have a brass, uh, we have trombone, we have a, a trumpet, we have a sax player, we have a pianist and a keyboard at the same time. We have another additional keyboard, and we have percussionist, two, drum, two percussionists, right, and a drummer, and we have Sarge here, myself, a bass player, and Pierre. And one more guitar. Oh, the, yeah, there's a the <laughs> guest guitar. That's yes. right. Oh, the violin. Yes, and yeah. violin, yes. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be wonderful. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, different colors, instruments we're using, and the music we're playing requires, you know, to uh, have, let's say, I mean, there's a Middle Eastern songs. You have to have violinists. And we're lucky we've, I mean, he knows him. Where is he based in LA? Yes. Yeah. He's a great musician, and he's a professor too as well, yeah. Who arranges the music? I mean, he picks them up. He picks the songs, and he asks for my Who's opinion. <laughs> you mean Pierre? <laughs> Just kidding. Pierre. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, anything I'm referring, he, he, it's Pierre, because he's okay. the producer. Okay. Yeah, it's not Sarge or me. All right. Uh, yeah, then, uh, you know, if I see it fits, and sometimes you agree, uh, sometimes you don't agree. And then, yeah, maybe there are some songs I don't agree to play them, but oh, he's, he's the guy. And <laughs> I have to write them anyway. So so Pierre chooses a song or at least proposes a song. And then... You know the problem with the producers? What? They interfere. <laughs> <laughs> with what? Your vision? <laughs> yeah. No, I want this. Okay, that's fine. Uh-huh. We'll do it. So yeah. do you just all play it as you think i mean how does how does this process work oh no, writing it so i have i have to uh, chart it okay so i score the music and uh, basically i mean the music here pierre and sarge they play by ear but uh-huh. they have excellent ear so the songs they choose and he chooses and he knows sarge knows it yeah so it'll be easier for them to perform it 
with other musicians who, who are just reading it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or for example, I have a trombone and the sax player, Americans. Mm-hmm. I never heard of this Middle Eastern music, so I have to write it for them. So uh, if it's completely new to them, to uh, Sarge and Pierre, mm-hmm. it's going to be very tough. Yeah. So either the, we uh, quit that one, or they don't play, but we can't. I mean, we need Pierre to play and Sarge. Mm-hmm. So most of when you hear, when you see them playing, now there's no chart in front of them. They know the music by ear completely, fully. I mean, they're musicians. And music, I mean, you don't have to read all the time. Mm-hmm. If you know the song, it's a, it's a good jam on the stage along with it. How many of the songs that you usually perform are songs you grew up with? Can I answer that? Yeah, of course. So, so basically, I pick songs that are well-known around the world. Mm-hmm. And because I've played in different types of bands uh, over the years, and um, so, for example, we're playing music from 17 countries around the world. So we basically picked um, uh, songs that, that are well-known from those countries. Mm-hmm. And um, it makes it... Um, I guess um, because they are popular songs from those countries, most p- people might recognize them. Mm-hmm. So, but my whole point of this is that music unites people instead of dividing people. So the purpose of the pieces that you've chosen is so that many people will hear something recognizable from their own heritage and other songs that they've been vaguely familiar with from exposure somehow, but the point being there's music all over the world and you want to present uh, this. Basically, I I want people to understand that even if you might might not like a certain, or I should say politics of a a certain country in the world, Mm -hmm. you might actually enjoy the the music from them. Mm -hmm. And it makes you understand that the people who are from that culture Mm -hmm. are not bad people. Yeah. So you might not enjoy their politics, but their their humanity is there. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful vision. I mean, we need to understand the humanity in everyone, and we need to have bridges between Absolutely. us. And I think music is the probably the most beautiful and maybe the most universal and easily, oh, I don't know, understood. Can I invent oh, something? While he's talking about the nationalities. Yes. By the way, last year, October 21st, we had a sold-out concert, same place. And the niche of that was all the music from every country, one song. I mean, you put the songs together was so beautiful. And he chose the right songs from every country. And I know at that concert, like I said, again, it was sold out. Mm-hmm. And we were proud of it. There were different nationalities. So they got a piece of their country there. Yeah, like, um, so at the last concert, we, we had, well, our, our guests who came to the concert, I should say, um, they were people from different parts of the world who actually live here in our county. And um, they were excited to see that their culture was actually represented at this concert there. And... Um, so, uh, of course, we're Assyrians, so we're biased, you know. <laughs> so we, we did do uh, an Assyrian song, mm-hmm. just one. <laughs> but but um, there was other people there. So probably 
75% of the audience was not a Syrian, but they enjoyed it also. I'm you, sure. You know. <laughs> yeah, I looked at the program and it's a journey around the world. Yes, and yes. I believe I saw Germany on there. Yes. And yes. of course that gave me a little thrill because that's where my grandparents all came from. I only wish I would have been there to hear the music. Yes. <laughs> One thing I want to say about that concert. Mm-hmm. My son got engaged right on the stage. Oh. <laughs> now, wait a minute. These guys, they played a game on me, okay? <laughs> and they didn't tell me what's happening. All of a sudden, I see my son on his knee with the, with the, 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 ring. With the ring, and they called the bride-to-be on the stage. And then after the concert, everybody was backstage. They congratulated me as a father of the guy that got engaged. I said, don't, don't congratulate me. This knee going to cost me $100,000. <laughs> that was joy. It was a oh. very happy day for me. Oh, yes, lovely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's beautiful. You're listening to KCBP Community Radio, 95.5 FM and streaming at kcbpradio.org. This is Arts of the San Joaquin Valley with your host, Linda Scheller, and our guests today, Pierre Nogli, Sargon Yonan, Nino Stico, and they are here talking about Domara Orchestra. So where have you gentlemen performed your music? I mean, uh, like I said earlier, so when I was inspired with the guitar, uh, we played all around the world. Uh, when I traveled around the world, when I got into L.A., so like I said, those Persian band I got acquainted with, I mean, we traveled as far as Dubai, Bahrain and Turkey and I'm um, all all over Europe and all over the United States here. There's a big, big uh, Persian, Iranian population, let's say, scattered around the world. And when they when they do concerts, I mean, they have huge attendance. Along with that, I'm a private gigs I play. And uh, then we and we're doing this uh, Duma Orchestra. That is our local thing here. But I mean, outside, yes, we travel, we tour with different bands. Oh, you still do? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. In fact, I have a gig coming up in Chicago anyway. Oh, okay. (laughs) How do you meet all the different musicians then that you perform with in these different places? Well, uh, okay, so uh, the one I'm going to, well, it's easy for me to have charts, and which I do, they send them to me. Uh, Some gigs, no, it's... They send you a CD, you listen to it. Okay. Well, I have, yeah. I'm, I developed with ear first when I started music. Mm-hmm. So uh, reading it, is that's just a bonus for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how we communicate and um, just do your homework. And you have two days rehearsal and that's it, you're on stage. But they're aware of you because they've listened to yes, some of the recordings yes, you've uh, made. Yeah, I mean... He's well known. I, I, yeah, I don't want to say. Anymore. <laughs> oh, I'm glad is, you did. Pierre. Yes, he's well known. <laughs> no, he is, yeah, no. they they know us. I One mean, of the they best. know Sarge. They know Pierre. Uh huh. They, they know, know me. You. Yeah. Oh. So that's how we get contacts. Yeah. Great. Thank you. How about you, Pierre? Where have you performed? Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've played um, with with Persian artists also. Um, in 1979, the revolution in Iran that happened. Oh yeah. Uh, I think 40 million people ha- have left the country since mm-hmm. because they don't agree with the government that is there now. So um, there are Persian people spread all over the world. And um, they they do have concerts. Like I've played in Dubai, Tokyo, Australia, 
all of Europe and of course North America. But um, we've done concerts in like like the most popular venues around the world because it's a large community. Mm-hmm. So they're able to to basically pack every venue. So. And you're still touring and going to different places um, and I'm performing? not anymore. <laughs> uh, since 2018, my daughter was born. So I've kind of slowed down. So that's why I'm doing this uh, as a local community thing. So I could keep my hands in it. Oh, we're very lucky. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and Sargon, where have you performed? I confined myself to the United States only. Actually, in Chicago for 24 years, I was living there and... Uh, I had a lot of gigs there. Matter of fact, like I mentioned, for 11 years was only one band. And uh, then I came to California in 1986. Time has so fast. I know. And uh, I played in numerous states like Florida, New York, Detroit, around the United States, like I said. And at that time, some renowned singers came from Middle East especially from Beirut. Uh, if I say their name, nobody knows them, but they're very known in the Middle East, and I played music with them. Was one, uh, Wadi Safi, he is the top, he passed away, and now we're playing a song for another singer, her name is Samira Taufik. She came in here in Detroit, I played two concerts with her. But anyway, uh, my playing music, I didn't travel at all. Maybe you could mention some of the guest artists with whom you've performed and recorded. So um, so the first two concerts we, we did, uh, Dumara, the first one was in, in 2008, and we had the most famous Assyrian singer, his name is Asher Betsarkis. We performed with him, and then the, the year after, we, we did a concert in, in 2009, with um, the most famous female Assyrian artist. Her name is Linda George and Ogun Betsamo for that performance. And then this year, we're going to have a famous Armenian composer. He will be playing with us as a guest. His name is Artashes. And um, also a famous Persian violinist. His name is Kiyavash. And uh, also um, a world-renowned guitarist, his name is Ardashir Vara. He plays in a group called Skronzen Vara. I'm familiar with that group yes. and have at least one recording at home. So how did you meet, meet him? Well, I've known him for about 40 years, and we, we have played in different bands together over the years. And um, so as a good friend, he said, I'm coming to your concert this year. I said, no, if you come, you're going to have to play, you know. So um, he basically agreed. And we we, we have, um, uh, with Nenos, we have arranged the last six songs of the concert where, where he will join us. Nice. Well, Ninos, you're a composer and you arrange music. What inspires you or, or moves you when it comes to musical composition? You know, in music, it's uh, required. It's the mood that sets you up. It depends. On one day you wake up, I don't touch the guitar. And there are days, you know, I just want to stay in the room, locked up myself, play, and see whatever comes into my mind, and I just start writing it. It could be the weather, or it could be the, the happiness that's happening to me that day. And then, I mean, yeah, there's the outside environment that affects on your mood. If you're in 
angry mood, I'm going to write a war song, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, that's, that's what inspires me most. Do you play it and then chart it, or is it in your head and you write it down and then play it? How does it Do you work? Know, you just, I think I should go and score them. No, I, I, I recorded them uh-huh. just for my own. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not written yet, because it, I always think probably it's not going to have a, its final destination, but uh, I'm going to start scoring it. It's good for you reminding me. That's, that's a good question, yeah. Yeah. And when you're arranging music, um, I mean, I know very little about musical arrangement. Maybe you could give us a little bit of background. Yeah, I mean, again, with well, the word with arranging music, so the music, it's already there. Okay. So where do you either arrange it or just rearrange it? Hmm. Uh, I don't want to say I'm good. I love rearranging. He's very good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, okay. So I walk in the room, okay, you know, this desk should be there. Or, you know, just rearrange it. Oh, and then uh, you walk in, okay, oh, that's, you know, looks different. And it, it feels much space, you know. So that's the arrangement and, and the music. Sometimes it's your own music and you want to arrange it. And sometimes it doesn't sound that good, then you're going to rearrange it again. Arrangement, yeah, it needs taste. Uh, you know, it needs, I mean, to know the, um, the instruments, the range of the instruments, if you are well aware of them, You'll do good arrangement. And then timing and how many of them are playing simultaneously. And oh, of course. Uh, yeah, intensity. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I mean, when you start with one instrument, okay, I'm arranging this one. I'm going to have, let's say, for example, trumpet doing this. At the same time, I'm, I'm thinking, oh, the trombone should be doing this at the same time. Okay, then I'm going to write for them too. So this is how it works. It's not just some general comedy, just take this note, put it there. No, no. I mean, you have to feel it. <laughs> yeah. So if there's no feel, no creativity, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's tough to be an arranger. And Ninos, you teach music at Cal State University, Stanislas. What classes are you teaching there? It's a basic guitar and um, um, a freshman orchestra, instrumental, and intermediate guitar. But three or four classes, and it depends on the enrollment. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you see all those classes are filled, sometimes no. Oh. Yeah, I mean, uh, it As depends it, on the student, you know, how much they're interested in the, uh, in the instrument. It also depends on how yeah. much music has been uh, available to them in junior high and high school. Exactly, yes, yeah. That, that's, I think that's the sad, sad story. It is. Yeah. I've interviewed a number of people, whether they taught choral music or instrumental music, or even elementary school, mm-hmm. and then as they've taken out the arts, yes, you know that's really mm-hmm. been a very sad thing. And it is. Yeah, I'm going to add to what you just said. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, people don't realize how important music is in school because it helps develop that student in so many different ways, like in academics and in history. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean it basically opens up their minds. So I hope we could save music education. I mean, uh, it's a big part of the way we grew up in school. So mm-hmm. I think our kids deserve it also. Absolutely. And that also, of course, is true for the visual arts. And speaking of which, <laughs> Sargon, I understand you're also a painter. Amazing painter. Yeah, please talk about that. Somehow. <laughs> Well, actually, people ask me, what, where did you go? What school? What academy? I tell them, my academy, my university, I didn't go. It's God, 
God gave me that gift. I was in high school when we came in 1962 to Chicago. I was in Senn High School, and at the art class, I was always the teacher. She was she was a fantastic artist. She was so fond of me, the way I draw, the way I do the colors and everything. So there was an, uh, a challenge at that time, 52 high schools from every city, one high school. They would, for an hour and a half, they would sketch at the police department, the policemen sitting, actually doing the computers and stuff like that, anything you want. So the guy was sitting with a big board, you know, when something happened in one street and he directs the police there. So I kind of like his image and everything. I just sketched them and colored it. After that, they projected on a big screen. If a policeman was killed in the action, they gave his family a flag or whatever, or a certificate in behalf of Mayor Daly at Chicago at the time. So guess what? Out of 52 high schools, mine was number one. Ah. So he gave me a certificate, okay, from police department and appreciation. So here I was so excited, driving home after that event and a policeman after me because I was going very fast. He stopped me. He says, you were going too fast. I said, I'm happy. He says, what? I show him the certificate. He looked at it. He says, man, I'm 25 years policeman. I don't have this kind of certificate. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, coming back to the art, I just enjoy painting. And uh, at the time, the story I told you, Mm -hmm. this guy that gave me a spark about I have to go after this. But unfortunately, I pushed it around for about 49 years in the dental laboratory. It was not much time because mm. we were on schedule with doctors. As you know, your son is doctor. But now I retired about five years ago, and I went fully in paintings. So now there's a lot of room for me to grow up more, but you got to have a name as, as an artist. So right now I'm dealing with the right people. Unfortunately, we're going to take some time, but I, I'm very positive about it. And your art will be on display at the Gallo? When, uh, yes, when does fortunately. that start? When will it go up on exhibit? Well, uh, So during the concert on December 2nd, uh, we're going to have Sargon's paintings in the lobby at the Gallo Arts. And um, uh, we, we did it last year also. And people were, were just amazed of, of his work. So we basically asked him if he would please bring them back again. And um, it goes hand in hand with, with music and, and art, I think, yeah. you know. And, you know, uh, Gallo's Center of uh, Arts, they lack anything got to do with art, either it's music <laughs> or painting. And they ask him to, you know, if I can uh, display some of my paintings. So it came out really good. I was very happy. Well, they're beautiful. Thank you. They're only going to be up that one night? Just one night. One night, yeah. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, we'll be before the concert, a couple of hours, I'm going to display them on easels. Uh-huh. And then uh, when people come in there, they're going to look at the paintings before the concert starts. By the way, it starts 8 o'clock p.m., right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... And after they leave, they go see the paintings again. So that's a good thing. Do you want to talk a little bit about the Armenian composer Artashes Kartalyan? Sure. Artashes has a PhD in music. He's a, a jazz musician, and he has um, uh, performed with many orchestras. 
So we're actually fortunate to to have him come and perform with us on that night. He's um, a very humble man, but a, a monster musician. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, both they are phenomenal. I mean, yeah. Even the violinist. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. So let us talk about your upcoming concert at the Gallo on December 2nd. It's on the website, Joyful World Journey. What should our listeners know about this concert? And uh, what might they look forward to hearing then in terms of pieces? Pieces are almost from 17 countries yes. around the world. And uh, probably for the non-Assyrian audience or non-Middle Eastern audience, you will listen to those uh, tunes by Middle Eastern in fashion. But, I mean, uh, probably they heard it somewhere else because some of them are internationally recognized and they've been played and sang in different languages. And, I mean, I believe we have a piece today. You know, yeah. Try it. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh. For instance, we have uh, this piece is called Bintid Shalabiya, which means uh, her name is... I think Shalabiya, or the Shalabiya is the, the area, the, the, the village. Yeah. That's the village, yeah. The daughter of the Shalabiya village. Oh. Where is it situated? I'm not sure exactly. Probably in Le the area between Lebanon and Syria, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. The village, and it talks about a girl. Okay. Yeah. But, but besides that, I, I was going to make a point. We're playing American music, like some pieces from Carlos Santana. And um, British music from the band The Animals, right? They, uh, they sang his song, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood. Oh, right. Right? And then um, Pink Floyd, mm -hmm. um, also from Romania, Hungary, uh, Armenia, France, Italy, Egyptian, Lebanese, and... Um, Persian? Persian, yes. So, Armenian? Yes, yes. <laughs> and... And one Assyrian song. So. Oh, great. Yeah. And you can actually play something now, right? Yes, of yes. course. Oh, yeah. I'd yeah. love to hear it. I like to play a little improvised. Then we go to the song.
this is one of the pieces uh, you will hear, but on the oud. So uh-huh. Saj will play this, and he's going to leave us leaving the stage. I mean. So and this is the only music you will hear the oud, if you want to see it I mean, uh-huh. on stage, yeah. That's gorgeous. Oh, thank you. This thank chair you. was a little bit high. <laughs> I was slipping. There. Oh. But anyway, that's a good thing for me. Yeah. When I leave the, the orchestra, so I can go sell more paintings there. <laughs> little sense of humor. <laughs> so this is the Dumara Orchestra, and they will be at the Gallo on December 2nd for the Joyful World Journey. You should get your tickets before it sells out, because it did last year. And be sure to go to galloarts.org or go to the building and go up to the box office. So where can our listeners learn more about Tomorrow Orchestra, such as social media, websites, YouTube? We do have some videos on YouTube available from the past concerts. So if they just search for D-O-M-A-R-A Orchestra, they could find some of the, the concerts we've done in the past. Yeah. And may I finish your question? Oh, yes. You asked me what I studied with. Yeah, because I feel guilty. I have to. Because these two professors, I mean, they did a lot for me. Uh, I studied in Modesto Junior College with Dr. David Chapman. Oh, yes. And now he's the chair for music department, Stanislaus. Mm-hmm. And I studied at Sacramento State doing my master's with Dr. Uh, Richard Savino. Oh. Yeah. And I mean, both are phenomenal. And uh, yes, I'm very thankful for them. And this is me today. Uh-oh. Doing classic. I mean, they turned me from um, a pop guitarist to a classical. Wonderful. Would anyone else like to add anything? I can add something. Sure. I'm speaking about my brother Ninos here. As our nation is spread all around the world, I'm talking about the United States now. He is one of the best, the best of the best guitar players. And really, we are lucky to have him to have him as a, first of all, brother. Secondly, as putting that music in our veins, as our blood. So I really admire him for his talent and for his education in music. Thank you. I just want to say thank you to KCBP for having us. And thank you, Linda, for taking all this time and allowing us to come and talk about our concert. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. And I'd also like to thank Mary Piazarka. It was she who reached out to James Costello, our station manager, and asked if we would be interested in interviewing the musicians from Domara Orchestra, and I am so glad she did. Thank you, Mary. Thank you, Mary. Today we've been speaking with Pierre Nogli, Sargon Yonan, Nino Stiko, You can hear them and 14 other musicians playing music from all over the world on December 2nd at the Gallo Center for the Arts. I hope you will be there. Thank you so much, fellas. Thank you. Thank you so much. The Arts of the San Joaquin Valley has been produced and hosted by Linda Scheller and Laura Stokes and features music by Kilobot, Waves of Wonder from the album Jazzy Lazy. You can learn more about their music at www.
www.kilobot.de. That's K-I-E-L-O-B-O-T dot D-E. If you would like us to feature your art-related event, or if you would like to be featured on our show, contact us at arts at kcbpradio.org. Stay tuned for more great community radio, brought to you by local volunteers, the Modesto Peace Life Center, and listeners like you. Please visit kcbpradio.org to show your support and to learn more about your community radio station. Catch you next time on the Arts of the San Joaquin Valley.